Welcome to the Spartan Underground Show, your ultimate resource for everything Spartan race training. Discover what the best SGX coaches are doing to help their clients boost performance, dominate obstacles, and get through each race burpee-free. Here is your host, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and welcome to episode 24 of the Underground SGX Show. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, please email me at info at spartanunderground.com. If you want to check out the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode, you can go to www.spartanunderground.com slash episode 24. I want to start off today with a couple upcoming events and programs that we have in the mix, uh, including this Saturday, February 18th. I'm going to be hosting a workshop. I know there are a lot of coaches and trainers that also listen to this show. If you work with seniors, I'm going to be hosting a a one-day workshop in El Segundo on strength and conditioning for seniors. I know that's a little off topic from Spartan Race Training, but seniors definitely have what it takes to run in these races, and we're going to talk everything you need to know about working with with the senior athlete and the senior client. Uh, If you're interested, just email me and I can get you more details on that. Also, next weekend, I am super excited because it'll be my first race of the 2017 season. I will be out in Arizona running the Super. Again, shoot me a message if you're going to be there and want to meet up at all. I would love to. And it should be a fun time. I can't wait. And then finally, I can't give too many details, but um, I have a project I'm working on. I'm really excited to get it out there. But uh, I mentioned before our uh, one of our sponsors to the show, Mobilitas, who creates mobility tools, we're actually putting together a seven-day mobility challenge. So I'm really excited to get this out there. Mobility is something that I've always struggled with, and I've had to work really hard to make those gains, and we have an awesome little challenge that we're putting together. So hopefully soon we'll have some more details to follow on that. But for now, I have another awesome show for you with some great tips and strategies to help you dominate your next race. In our research review, we're going to talk about muscle cramps. Hopefully it's something you haven't had to deal with too much, but if you've been running races for a while, there's a good chance once or twice it's popped up. So we're going to talk about new research on how muscle cramps start and what you can do about it. And in our resource of the week, we're actually going to go over some different things you can do to help with those muscle cramps. And in our SGX Coaches interview, I have on SGX Coach Robin Leggett. Now she might sound familiar because she was on our last episode and gave us our Spartan Race review of the first SoCal race of the year. But I have Coach Leggett on to talk about testing yourself and how you can track your progress, making the transition into being an OCR athlete, how to make the jump from being an open participant to an elite level athlete. And she actually shares some lessons that she's learned in her first elite race. Um, putting yourself out there, how to face your fears, being okay with doing burpees, um, and then big tips for being a, a training for masters athletes and how you can train when you don't have obstacles set up in your backyard. So tons of great things from Coach Robin. So let's get on to today's show. So imagine this scenario, you're doing your Spartan race, everything's going awesome, you just hit your spear, sandbag carry, no problem, bucket carry was easy, and now you have a wall in front of you, you sprint at it, and you're about to jump over, and all of a sudden you get the nastiest cramp in your calf. I'm sure at some point you've experienced something like this, where you're just 
going along and all of a sudden something cramp up, cramps up. Could be your calf, your quad, your inner thigh, lots of different places we can get cramps. But if you've been doing this for a little while, there's a good chance that at some point you've got a muscle cramp. And this could be debilitating. I'll remember last year at the Pala Super, or I'm sorry, at the Pala Beast, sitting at the finish line, watching everybody jump over the fire, waiting for my last couple of clients to come in, and I saw a guy running right to the fire, and he went to jump, and it just looked like he had a total body cramp. Everything just stiffened up, and he fell like a board. Luckily, he made it past the fire, but he was, you know, what, 10 yards from the finish line, and he couldn't, he couldn't finish on his own. They had to pull him off over to the side. They tried stretching, and he, you could just tell how much pain he was in. He couldn't move at all. So most likely you can relate to something where you've been doing your race and a cramp comes up and hopefully you'll be able to work it out, stretch it and get through, but maybe not, maybe you needed help and somebody had to carry you the rest of the way. Uh, so I thought for a research review, I wanted to talk a little bit about muscle cramping because it's cramps are one of those things that are really hard to explain. And kind of the old theory was that it was from dehydration or an electrolyte imbalance. So if you're not drinking water, you're not getting enough sodium or potassium that uh, you might it might result in cramping. And, and there's probably some truth to that, but maybe not as much as people think. And it's almost like an old wives tale. When you look at the research, there's not a ton of evidence supporting that, that theory. So I'm not saying that forget water, forget electrolytes, but in terms of muscle cramping, that might not be the underlying reason why you get these types of muscle cramps. There's a new theory out there and it's looking more at the nervous system and it it's explaining cramping as a nervous system issue where there's kind of like a short wire or short in the circuit and the muscle just can't stop firing and they're finding that this might be a more likely reason behind some of these muscle cramps where basically the nervous system tells you tells your muscle to contract it tells it to relax and sometimes that signal gets messed up um Picture it this way, we have signals going to the muscles telling it to contract, and we also have it signals telling it to relax. Basically, that signal to relax just isn't coming through, and the signal to fire or contract just keeps happening. So what you feel is pain because that muscle is, is cramping up. And this theory seems to be holding up pretty well, and, and we're definitely finding the more we learn about the human body that really the nervous system is king, and your body is going to do a lot of things to protect sometimes to protect yourself from yourself. You may have had maybe uh, muscles of your lower back seize up. Your central nervous system is pretty important. So if you're doing something that's going to damage your spine, it's going to make you stop by seizing all those muscles up and not letting you do that activity anymore so you can't cause further damage. So almost like a self-protection mechanism the nervous system can be. Um, so I wanted to look at a study that is looking at this new theory and it's actually pretty cool. So the title of this study was Reflex Inhibition of Electrically Induced Muscle Cramp Muscle Cramps in Hypohydrated Humans. And this was from Medicine and Science and Sport and Exercise from 2010. So it's actually a couple years old, um, but still incredibly relevant today. And basically what they did was they dehydrated the subjects in this study. And they determined that by making them lose 3% of their body weight through loss of water. So pretty significantly dehydrated there. And then they electronically induced cramping. So they, they stuck electrodes on muscles of their feet 
and they just made it fire and fire and fire until it eventually would cause a, a muscle cramp. So they did this just to find out what their limit was, what their threshold to um, to stimulate that muscle cramping. Then they waited 30 minutes, and then they did it again, where they, they caused that muscle cramp, but this time they either gave the subjects pick, pickle juice or deionized deionized water. So you you may have heard of things um, like drinking pickle juice, or maybe you heard of something like bringing a mustard packet with you on a race might help with muscle cramping. So kind of same idea, but for this study, they used pickle juice. And what they found was in the subjects that used pickle juice, they saw the cramp duration significantly shorten, actually almost a whole minute shorter. And when when the pickle juice was consumed, the muscle cramps actually stopped really quickly. Just over a minute it took before the cramps went away, which is pretty unbelievable. So you can see the relevance if you're in a race and you want to get right back to it. Doing something like this might be a good plan to help alleviate that cramp so you can start start running again or walking or whatever. Um, but the, th- the interesting part is because it happens so quickly, it kind of rules out that idea that we'll People are getting cramps because of hydration or because of electrolyte imbalances because the this effect happens so quickly that that can't really explain it because if it was an electrolyte imbalance um because you know pickle juice is actually high in, in electrolytes like sodium and potassium but the fact that it happened in a minute that's just not enough time for you to drink it it go through your digestive tract and into your bloodstream and then to the muscle so it can it can do what it needs to do so what they're actually finding are foods like pickle juice, and there's some other ones that we'll mention, contain items that actually can trigger the nervous system in the digestive tract. And when they trigger in the nervous system, they're actually getting it to get those muscles, get those or get the nerves that are controlling the muscles to relax and let that that cramp start to go away, which is pretty cool. So just by consuming certain foods, you're activating your nervous system. You can get it to inhibit some of these cramps. So pickle juice is one of them. Uh, Ginger is another, cinnamon, and uh, even spicy foods like uh, red peppers that contain capsaicin. um, That All of those have been shown to have this effect, which is pretty interesting. And now we're going to talk more about this in our resource of the week, but I just wanted to bring up the study. I thought it was pretty interesting because I know muscle cramping is a common thing for, for many people. Some are going to be more likely to suffer from, from, from it than others, but this might be an approach you want to take, but, but keep listening. We're going to talk more about how we can apply this in our resource of the week. Um, but you may want to be proactive and in, in eating or consuming foods or drinks that have these items in them before a race if you are one to experience cramping more easily that might help you out um but again it's something i wouldn't do race day play around with it and see how it how it goes um but with all this being said please don't forget about water and electrolytes those are going to be important for potentially for cramping but lots of other reasons too but um this is just one thing that we want to be aware of if you are somebody that suffers from chronic muscle cramping Okay, so I wanted to keep talking about muscle cramping in our resource of the week, again, because I know this is such a common thing. Uh, Personally, I I haven't experienced a ton of muscle cramping. Uh, I mentioned the Paula race last year. I do remember when I hit the dunk wall 
my legs did cramp up a little bit. Luckily, that was pretty much the end of the race. So I was able to power through uh, at the end of the beast. But I remember just watching people coming down the hill and going up the hill in the beginning of that race, just grabbing their calves, grabbing their quads, trying to stretch it out and just it really slowing them down and, and making that race kind of miserable from that point on. Um, so having every strategy you can to avoid something like this is going to be critical. And I wanted to bring up a couple of things to help with, with cramping if it's something that you experience a lot. Um, and the research researchers that actually went behind the previous study that we were talking about created a, a company called Flex Pharma, and they created a supplement that actually contains some of these foods that we were just talking about. And they have a product called Hotshot. And you can check it out at teamhotshot.com. Uh, I am not, they're not um, affiliated with the show at all. I'm not receiving any compensation or anything. I just wanted to bring that up. I just thought it was a cool product that you might want to try out. And I know a lot of people will be like, well, I'm, I'll just run with my mustard packet and that's fine. And you definitely can do that. Um, when I did the beast last year in Montana, my brother-in-law did the sprint. It was his first Spartan race ever. He rides bikes. He is active, never took on anything like a a Spartan. And he had some serious cramping in that race, hitting those hills. And uh, just a person came up to him and said, here, take this mustard packet. And he was like, okay, because he just wanted to do anything to get rid of that cramping. And it, it definitely helped. But then he had to finish the race with the taste of mustard that he just couldn't get rid of. And then he wasn't worried about the cramping anymore, but now he was worried about throwing up, <laughs> uh, especially as he was going under that barbed wire and rolling. Um, he just was very uncomfortable. So if it's something that you're used to and you, you don't really care, then yeah, you can try something you know, take a packet of, of mustard or two with you, uh, uh, get some pickle juice if you, if you prefer that. Um, but I mentioned earlier, there are other foods as well. So in this hotshot supplement, um, it, the main ingredients are going to be ginger, cinnamon, and capsaicin. And those are the main things that you would want to consume anyway. So the consuming the capsaicin is found in hot foods that might not be too pleasant during a race, uh, but maybe something like ginger or cinnamon. And there are chews and candies out there. And I'll put a couple links in the show notes but that might be an option. So you just have a little bit of chew, a chew that is going to have the ginger or the cinnamon. And it's, yeah, it's going to have a little bit of sugar in there too, which is probably not a bad idea during the race. Um, but most likely it's a little bit more pleasant tasting than mustard. And you might get that fast relief from the cramp, not have a nasty taste in your mouth that you're going to have to run the rest of, of your race in. So check out the show notes and I'll, I'll put a couple of links to some different products that I've seen on, you know, simple candies that that contain cinnamon and ginger um, or cinnamon sticks even and squares. There's a whole bunch of different options out there. So try them out. Um, And the best part is that they're super cheap. So even if they're terrible, it's just a couple bucks to to play around with it. Um, But hope that helps out if you have been struggling with any type of muscle crampings during your training or during your race. All right, it's time for the SGX Coaches interview, and today I am on with Coach Robin Leggett of Power Jam Fitness. Coach Robin provides group fitness and online training and coaching for people who seek to live a life where age, size, or background is no limit to what they are able to accomplish. Along with being an SGX coach, she's also a certified strength and conditioning specialist and a precision nutrition certified coach. 
Coach is going to get into her background, but she went from being a, a non-athlete growing up to a competitive roller derby to a coach to a elite Spartan racer. So we're going to get into some awesome topics, and I know you're going to love this interview today. All right, Coach Leggett, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am awesome. Thanks so much for jumping on the call with me. I'm happy to be here. All right. I know we're going to cover some awesome topics and you're going to help our listeners train for their next Spartan race. But before we get started with that, why don't you just let us know how you got involved with Spartan race training? Um, so my Spartan race, I've only been doing Spartan racing for the last year. My first race was at Castaic in December of 2015, but I've been a fitness trainer since 2012. It's a late in life career choice that happened, uh, after I got involved in roller derby of all things, when I moved to LA, I, my story is going to get long and convoluted, but when I moved <laughs> to LA in 2003, I didn't know anybody. Um, I had no job, no friends here. I just wanted to move out of where I, I had been living before. And so I just made the big move. And in a way to find friends, I went online and went on Craigslist, which was kind of a big thing at the time to find friends and find activities. Probably not as much now, but back in 2003 it was. And I found an ad for a roller derby league. And I had always been fascinated with the idea of roller derby and I always liked roller skating. And so I went to a practice, fell in love and <laughs> found myself playing roller derby and I ended up playing roller derby for over a decade, which I didn't think was going to happen. But the side effect of me playing roller derby is I found a new career. I was training skaters in roller derby and really enjoyed doing that. And so in 2010, I was at a point where I was kind of having a career crisis. I was previously a radio DJ, uh, in the last city I lived in and wasn't able to do that here in LA and had been working a variety of random jobs. And I thought, what do I like to do? I like to train people. So I went back to school. UCLA has a great extension program for uh, fitness training. And I went through that program and got my uh, training certifications. I became a certified personal trainer, certified strength and conditioning specialist and started training people. And uh, the main thing I was doing and ha have been doing and still do is a boot camp in Santa Monica, a group training program. Um, and as an end of year bonding activity, I decided we should do a Spartan race. And that was in December, 2015. And so I got a group of 14 of my boot campers and other people that I train and friends of theirs together. And we ran the Castaic Spartan sprint. And I think much like roller derby, like when I find something I like, I really, really like it. And that's what happened with me in Spartan race. I really, really liked it. So I just kept doing them. And as a fitness professional, I thought I, you know, I, I love to do these races and I want to help others feel what I feel and experience what I experience when I do these races. So I signed up to, uh, do the Spartan SGX certification, the Spartan obstacle specialist course. And I got my SGX certification a few months ago. So now I'm an official Spartan SGX coach and, uh, Spartan racer. I ended up doing seven races last year. Nice. That's how into it I am. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome to the club. We're glad to have you in the SGX coaches club. I am so excited to be in the SGX coaches club. <laughs> awesome. So, um, roller derby, that's pretty interesting. So I kind of want to hear like what, what made you, um, what do you think made you fall in love with roller derby? There were a few things. I joined it to find a community, which I'm sure people who do Spartan Race are going to hear some similar things. I joined it to find a community, and I found an amazing community of strong 
awesome, kick ass, if I may say, women. And, and some men too, but it's primarily, especially at the time that I joined primarily a women's sport. And I just loved the adrenaline rush of the sport. I loved finding the athletic side of myself that I did not know existed. I was not an athlete prior to discovering roller derby. I roller skated recreationally for fun. I could roller skate. I had some skills, but playing an aggressive full contact sport was never anything that I had any experience in prior to joining the LA Derby Dolls, which is the league I skated with for over a decade. And even playing any team sport, I didn't have any experience. So um, it was really just enlightening and eye-opening to me how much I loved it and how, how much I loved seeing this athletic side of me come out and this aggressive side of me come out, um, and be able to grow as an athlete. And it made me want to work harder. It made me want to cross train, um, which back in the early days of roller derby, that wasn't really happening. We were just kind of figuring things out as we went, but, uh, just to, just to really develop as an athlete, it was roller derby when I played it, was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. Like most challenging thing I'd ever done in my life. And I love that about that sport. And I think that's what I love about Spartan race is that now that I'm, I retired from roller derby a couple years ago to focus on my fitness business because roller derby can be pretty time consuming between the practices and it's a volunteer sport. So there's, there's a lot of volunteer commitments. And so I had to take a step back and I think that's why Spartan race really, like hit me in the way that it did because it was fulfilling that side of me that was fulfilled when I was playing roller derby that wasn't being fulfilled anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it was, it, the transition made sense to me because it, you know, training for Spartan races and learning the obstacles and learning the technique, um, and being, you know, I, every race I do, I feel like, there's an obstacle I can do that I wasn't able to do before. And then a new obstacle they throw out that I don't know how to do. And so I feel like I'm constantly learning. And I love that about roller derby too. It, it treated fitness like a skill to be learned. And therefore I was constantly mentally engaged as well as physically engaged. And so I think those parallels, those parallel each other really well between roller derby and Spartan race. That's awesome. I, I, I love that line. You just said fitness is a skill to be learned because that, that, is totally true and some people think you're kind of born with it or you're just a fit person or you're just an athlete where lots of people can develop these things later in, in life as long as you're willing to put the work in and it sounds like that's a lot of what you went through that's really what it's been all about for me and yeah i was i you know when i was in school in elementary school i was the last pick for teams i was the clumsy kid the awkward kid and so discovering, you know, I was 28 when I started playing roller derby. I was 40 when I retired. And so I have discovered Spartan race in my forties and I am going at it as hard as I did when I started roller derby. Um, but the whole idea of fitness as a skill to me, it hits on many levels. Number one, like you just said, uh, you don't have to be born with it. If you spend your whole life doing it, it might come easier to you. Sure. Uh, when I was playing roller derby, there would be people that came in that spent their childhood doing artistic figure skating competitions. It came easier to them than it might have come to me. I might have had to work a little harder, but that's okay because I could still do the work and learn the skills. And same for Spartan Race, like people who have played sports, have run marathons, have 
done these multi-dimensional sports their whole lives, it might come a little easier to them. But I'll be darned if I'm not going to work my butt off on developing my grip strength, developing my overall strength, running trails. Everything is a skill that I can learn. Um, And the other aspect of it is that I think a lot of people can be turned off by the idea of fitness because fitness equals boredom. And And so it's like, oh, I'm just doing these repetitive motions over and over and over again. And I love trying to kind of sell the idea of fitness as a skill. And if you can treat it as I'm learning, I'm just constantly learning, then you're mentally engaged as well as physically engaged. And if you can have a mental and physical engagement, fitness will never be boring. And that's what I like about that. Yeah, and that, that's a great point, and that's um, kind of what we all hope that we we strive for with our clients. That, yeah, you may never be into working out as much as maybe a trainer is, but you don't have to be. We're just practicing for you to move better, or, or yes. practice a skill if you're training for a race, or if not, if you're just working out and you're just practicing these different movements, and then we just throw a little bit of variety in there. And if you keep thinking of it as practice and not work and boring or I don't want to do this or it's a punishment or all those things then yeah you're probably never going to like doing these things but when you see a skill getting better now it's like well that's pretty cool I couldn't do that before and now I can let me see what else I I can do yeah I love helping my clients see those milestones and really visualize those milestones Uh, at my boot camp I do fit tests every month that are timed and so over the course of the month you know if we do it at the beginning of the month and the end of the month and they are a couple minutes faster that is progression. That is them getting better, faster, stronger, and in a very quantifiable way that they can see. Um, you know, they might be able to start with me and hardly be able to do a burpee, but in a couple of months, they see themselves doing burpees and having it not be this like murderous nightmare <laughs> that that it was for them before. That maybe before they had to step out into the plank, but now they can jump out into the plank. And milestones can be different for different people depending on where you're at. And so I like to help the people that I work with see even the smallest milestones because that is a skill being learned. And so the more that people can view their fitness that way, view their training that way as working to get better at a very specific skill. And Spartan is great for that because obstacles are skills to be learned. Um, and oftentimes it comes down to technique more than overall strength. Yeah, definitely. Then, then, yeah. So when they can see that and see that progress, it's huge for them and it keeps them wanting to do more. And that's, it's the way it works for me. And I find it's the way it, it works for a lot of other people. Um, I would love it if you would maybe share an example. I, I, I love the idea of the fit testing. Um, what would be an example that maybe somebody listening could do to just try out maybe this month and then again in a month or so? Oh, goodness. Um, I do a lot. I change my fitness fit tests every month. But if we're to keep it like really simple, um, what we could do is like squats, push-ups, and sit-ups, like a basic – military style, uh, exercise list where we're doing like, I'm trying to think if we can time. Well, say we're doing like 10 squats, 10 pushups, 10 sit-ups. Um, and you do that as many times as you can in 15 minutes. So you just keep track of how many rounds you complete, 10 squats, 10 pushups, 10 sit-ups, uh, track how many rounds you complete in 15 minutes, write it down and then do it again four weeks later. And if, and anyone could do that at home. Like that's a very basic, I like, I, I 
I sometimes do it as simple as that. And sometimes I have just massive list and you do it as quickly as you can. Mm -hmm. So it's just different, but that's a really basic one that you can do at home and time yourself. And then four weeks later, do it again. And if you got more rounds completed, you're getting more efficient at the movements. Awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's a cool way to just measure progress when, you know, many people are focusing on maybe scale is that that's their end all be all where if I don't see anything change on that scale, it's a failure. But mm -hmm. it's like, look at all of this you've just gained where you can do pushups on your toes or you can do 10 squats now or whatever it might be. And, and that's a great reminder that we should have these different tests that we put ourselves through where we can see improvements physically because that's that's what we're we're training for. Yeah. And I find sometimes on a, from a psychological standpoint, that's a, a healthier way to look at things, like look at what your body is able to achieve. So I definitely, when I train people, um, I like to keep my client focus on those types of things about becoming faster, becoming stronger, um, and, and what your body can achieve because the side effect could end up being seen on the scale, but I like to take the focus away from the scale and just like, what can you do? What are you able to do? Because the body's an amazing thing and it's cool to be able to see what it can do. All right, I wanted to get on uh, transitioning because that's something that you went through. You went from not being um, uh, the so-called athlete to roller derby, retiring, and then finding Spartan and transitioning to a completely different sport. And I think a lot of people go that route where, um, like myself, for example, I was a competitive athlete in college, and I was a high jumper, which is not something that you can typically do you know, once, once you're done competing. And you definitely are left a little bit empty and then I found something like Spartan where now it kind of fills that void, but it's nothing like I've done before. And I thought maybe you'd have some good tips on how do you transition to something that might be totally different? Well, I can talk to my personal experience. So what happened after I retired from roller derby, um, I ended up joining a CrossFit-esque gym. They didn't build themselves as a CrossFit gym. But for me, when I left the sport, I didn't want to leave training. And I didn't have an idea of another sport. Like that wasn't in my brain at the time, but I wanted to stay strong, stay fit. Um, I was a little bit concerned that I had this sport that I had been playing. And if I step away from the sport, will I, you know, lose the strength that I had? Will I not be as fit? So I wanted to definitely find something else. And so um, I ended up joining this gym and learn, and I started learning lifting. And for me, that was sort of the middle ground. I didn't know it would be good, it would be the middle ground or something, but I, as a as a trainer, I don't really deal with barbells all that much. I'm an outdoor fitness trainer, so I don't really have the capacity to do a lot of barbell work in what I do professionally. So I was excited by learning how to lift. And for me at that time, like that became my first level of transition. So I I stopped playing the sport, but I found this thing that helped me realize how I could stay mentally engaged. So I started learning lifting and I started doing that. And for me at that time, I'm like, maybe that's my new thing. Maybe I'm going to be a CrossFit competitor or something like that. And then I did the Spartan race in December of 2015. I'm like, nope, that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> new plan. Um, so I guess it, you know, it's a, it really comes down to finding something that works with the time you have. So for me, the reason I left roller derby is that it was very 
time consuming in regards to the volunteer requirements in addition to the practice requirements. It's primarily a nighttime sport. So, you know, most of the people that play roller derby have day jobs. So practices are at night. That wasn't working for me anymore. I get up really early in the morning to train people. So you think about, you know, why, what about what you stopped doing is no longer working for you. And then what could you do that could work within the framework of your life? So for me, whether it was learning to lift or whether it was training for Spartan, I can do that during the day. I can do that in the mornings. So I could put in the same level of intensity and same, almost the same amount of training time that I did for roller derby, but at a time that worked for me. And so that's how that transition became possible for me to really focus on not just running Spartan races, but trying to actually run at a competitive level. Um, if, if that schedule was the same as roller derby, I wouldn't be able to do it, but because it, I can, I can train during the morning or during the afternoon or times that I'm more available to do that, that transition worked for me. But what I love about Spartan race is that it's a great, I almost think it's a great transition sport, no matter what sport you come from or a great new sport, no matter what sport you come from, because Spartan race is all about like the people who are most successful at Spartan races are all around athletes. So they can do sprints, but they can also distance run, but they can also lift, but they also have grip strength and, and are really, um, acrobatic almost. So whatever you're strong in previously will likely translate over to Spartan race. And then you start developing those other skills. So I think that's what I like about that as a new what I call retirement sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and that all makes perfect sense. And I, I mean, I personally can completely relate where you, you're most likely, if you were athletic in just about anything, there's something in a Spartan race that you're probably pretty good at, whether maybe it's grip stuff or maybe it's the running or hill climbing. And you, you find that passion there. And then you're like, you know what? I love that part, but I really struggled here. Now it just tells you, well, this is what I need to start working on. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your strengths and your weaknesses come through pretty quickly, but that gives you the focus. So that's what I like about it. Awesome. Uh, let's talk about another type of transition, but transferring or trans, uh, sorry, transitioning to, uh, uh, an elite level in Spartan Mm -hmm. racing. I know you talked about, you're going through a similar thing right now. So let's talk about going where you're starting from in the open and then eventually trying to get into the, that elite heat. Yeah. So my goal is to be able to be competitive at the master's elite level. I'm 42 years old. I happily say my age all the time because I think people should be proud of their age. Um, and, and we can be amazing at any age. So, um, but I started, you know, my first race was open. Most of my races last year, uh, were in the open level and I raced with other people and we helped each other at obstacles. Um, And so I love that. I love that sort of teamwork camaraderie aspect of the open, but I really wanted to push myself at a new level. And so, um, I ran my first elite race in December of 2016 at Casaic. And I think what it comes down to, I mean, you have to honestly, you have to take an honest assessment of your strengths and weaknesses, what you're able to do, what you're not able to do, and really put a lot of time and energy into those things you're not able to do. Um, and then do a lot of burpee training, <laughs> lots and lots and lots of burpee training. You have to be really okay with burpees, especially when you're just starting out. Um, or at least that's my experience. Other people might be just stronger at all the, all the things like grip strength has been something I've had to work on significantly to transition into 
this higher level because I've never, to this day, I've never completed a rig and I've only completed monkey bars once. So, um, so yeah, I, I knew that grip strength was a thing that I had to spend a significant amount of time working on. Um, but my recommendation is to honestly just try it. Whether it's competitive or elite, I think a lot of people might, you know, and I was nervous about this too. When I signed up for my first elite race, it's like, I am not ready for this. Like, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do out there, but I am not ready. Um, but you'll never know unless you try, unless you put yourself out there and accept that you're going to do some burpees, possibly a lot, um, that you're going to give every, you know, you're going to try everything. You'll be successful at some things, you'll fail at some things, and you'll do a bunch of burpees, but you'll earn that medal. Um, so I put myself out there, and I did 150 burpees that day. And I think um, my rank, I think my master's rank, I was excited because my master's rank was 12th place. Yeah! Out of, tw <laughs> out of 21 people. That's so great. Um, but that's okay because now I know where I came in at that first race and I can see how I do in subsequent races. And I also know what I wasn't able to do at that race and I could put time and energy into those things. So every race you do, you learn and you learn what you can do. You learn what you're struggling with and you can practice those things and get better. And every single race I've done, whether it's open or elite, I have gotten better at something. I've been able to do something that I have not been able to do at a previous race. So, you know, it's nice of Spartan to always throw new things at us so that, you know, we don't get too smug, but, <laughs> but, you know, uh, every race is a learning experience and that includes these, these new elite races I'm doing, but put yourself out there, learn what you're good at, learn what you're not good at, spend a lot of time running trails, spend a lot of time doing burpees and, Hopefully you'll improve with every race. Yeah. So uh, going back to your first elite race, uh, other than grip, so you admit that that was one area you're going to struggle in. Were there other any other lessons that you learned in that first uh, elite race? Um, I, well, I wouldn't call this a lesson I learned. This is advice that was given to me, and it's just be okay with people passing you. Okay. <laughs> um, just don't don't let it get in your head that you might be – you know, if, if you're new to elite racing, you might be among the slower people and that's okay. Um, uh, something that, that I like to work on is just like short spurts. So like when we we're climbing a hill, if I could see someone that I could try and pass and I have the capacity to do it, those were the opportunities that I take. So taking kind of small opportunities without gassing yourself out, um, in regards to obstacles, uh, her hoist was a definite, definite struggle for me. I did not get it in that race. I have yet to complete a her hoist by myself, but, uh, the great thing about even elite races is people are happy to give you advice. And so I met really nice people along the way who were very encouraging and cheered me on and I cheered them on and that, you know, they gave me good advice about the her hoist. So was, you can't help each other in elite physically, but you can give advice and people were very kind to do that for me. So, um, I've learned, I've been, I've been trying to learn as much as I can on her hoist, solo her hoist technique when you are, especially when you are a small human, like I am, I'm only five foot one. Um, so, uh, just learning how much of my body I need to put in and, um, I'm hoping to improve on that in future races, but that was definitely a struggle. They had the Olympus wall mm -hmm. in that race, which I've only, attempted once prior in Tahoe. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm still struggling with that one. I haven't figured that one out yet. So, um, I'm trying to think of all the things I failed. 
rig. It's yeah, it's oh, a spear, know. spear, the stupid spear throw. I have never, I have yet to complete a spear throw. So I've, I've been lucky that there are some, some obstacle gyms in this area that I've been able to visit and spend some time throwing their spears. Mm-hmm. Spear throw is a tricky one because oh, yeah. unless you have backyard space and can build some spears of your own, that's just a hard one to train. Like, you know, you can, you can, you can use your surroundings to train a lot of things, but throwing spear into hay, like you either have to have a big backyard to be able to do that, which I'm in an apartment in LA. I do not. Mm-hmm. And none of my friends have allowed me to do it yet. Or you have to find a place that, that has spears to throw. So I've definitely been putting some time and energy into my spear throw whenever I can, which is not as often as I'd like. Um, yeah, and I, but, it took me 90 burpees, I think, before I finally decided I needed to start training for the spear. And yeah, uh, yeah after that third race, third miss, I just said, okay, I'm making them. I'm going to find a spot and just kept training with it. But that that's, yeah. that works well. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I wish I have done that. So I, let's see, I've done seven races and have not landed one yet. So that's what, 210 burpees? Yeah. <laughs> so I, you learned your lesson much faster than I've learned mine. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I definitely lack, lack the, the space to do it here, but I'm hoping someday at least a friend will let me build one in their backyard. If you live in LA, if you're listening and you live in LA (laughs) and you have a spear area in your backyard or want to build one, I'm coming over. All right. All right. Sounds good. I'll let you know if anybody reaches out. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Um, but I, I think it's great. You're, you everything that you were saying there and, and admitting, you know, these are the areas that I struggled and that you were intimidated signing up for that elite heat. And if it's something that you're thinking about, I think it's just like you said, it's something you kind of just have to jump in and do it. And I think what you'll find is that, yes, it's super intimidating when you first get there. And then, yeah, there's going to be those guys at the front or girls in the front who are going to just take off and, and crush it. And, you know, hopefully one day, if that's what you want, you can train and, and get to that level. But in the beginning, if you just want to test it out and see where you are, don't be intimidated. Like you said, everyone is going to be super help, super helpful, not actually help you over an obstacle, but they'll give you tips and strategies if, if you need it. Um, cause that's one of the cool things about these races that it's, yes, it's a competition, but everybody's really in it together and looking to have fun and, and you're going to find that help there when, when you need it. So even though it might be a little intimidating, what you'll find is there are a lot of people that one are just as intimidated as you are and are looking for somebody else to kind of help push them through. And it's, it's just a cool experience when you do it and see, you know what, I can do this stuff. Yeah. I might be doing some burpees, but I'm going to make it to the end and then I'm going to learn from it. And the next time I do it, it's going to be even better. Oh yeah. I think that's what I, I mean, that's what I love about Spartan race, but I think I always encourage people to face their fears. I think that's an important, it's, it's an important catalyst for growth. So when I went to my first roller derby practice, I was, I was scared. Like, I'm like, I don't know anybody. I don't know what I'm doing, but I found it was important to go. And if I hadn't gone, I mean, my life changed significantly from roller derby. I met my husband through roller derby. I got engaged on the roller derby track and married on the roller derby track. So yeah, if you look up roller derby proposal on Google, mine shows up. (laughs) So, um, first thing, but facing your fears is how amazing life change happens. So I think the same applies to putting yourself out there and putting yourself at a level that you may not think you're ready for. And that could be your first open race. I see a lot of people post online. It's like, I want to do a Spartan race, but I'm not ready. And it's like, you can be ready. 
the community will help you. Mm-hmm. Like, just do it. Because the community is unlike anything I've seen except maybe roller derby. And so if you're running an open race and you've never done it, someone will help you over that wall. I've helped all sorts of strangers over the wall. I've let people climb all over me. I am happy to do it. And even at the elite race, like just my experience in doing Spartan races in the last year and meeting members of the community, I knew three or four people at the start line of the elite race in December. And so when I was running the race, like I'd see them at an obstacle and I'd cheer them on and then they'd see me at an obstacle and they'd cheer me on. And it's a really just positive, uplifting, awesome experience to have that even when you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage people like if, if you've never done it before, give it a try. If you have no one to race with, give it a try. You'll make friends on the course, oh, but yeah, but don't exclude yourself from this experience because it's scary because great things only happen when we face our fears, really. Like, yeah. that's when the magic happens, as it were. Yeah, and, and it's supposed to be scary. I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of what the fun part is, is you, you, you build it up probably more than you should. You get a little freaked out. You do it, and you're like, huh, that wasn't so bad. And yeah. it was really fun, actually. So Yeah, and it's, and it's supposed to be hard. Like, you know, it, that's why the metal and the beer at the end is so rewarding because you're doing something that is well outside of your comfort zone, but that's what makes it rewarding. If we stayed in our comfort zone all day, life would be pretty boring. So let's not have boring lives. Exactly. And and I just love the experience that you get because it's two different experiences, elite versus open. I like doing both. I Mm -hmm. I like doing the elite and pushing myself and seeing how my training is, is pulled off and, and seeing how high I can rank. But I also like doing open with, with my clients. And yep. just going through and let's have fun and do this together. And I want to see them climb a rope for the first time or get over a wall for the first time. And, and it's a, a different experience. They're both great. And it's cool that you can do this with, with your Spartan races. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And that's how I run them, too. So in Castaic last December, I did both races. The first day I did Elite. And then the second day I had a bunch of my clients and I did open. And so, yeah, I had that, that experience of doing it by myself and pushing my own limits and learning where I stand against the field of competitors on one day. And then the second day I was with uh, a group that some of them had run before, some of them had never run before and seeing them accomplish new things or helping them over the wall, like you said, like, and, and or learn how to climb a rope or whatever. It's like, they're equal different ways. And so I continue to do that. Like I'm, you know, my next race that I'm doing, I'm doing a super on Saturday with some friends, clients, and then running elite on Sunday in the sprint. And it's, you know, I choose to, to have both of those experiences. So when I schedule my races throughout the year, I try to have a little bit of both. Awesome. Well, I know we're, we're running short on time, but I, I want to touch on one last topic with you. And I, I know you primarily work with masters athletes and I just wanted to see if you maybe give a couple tips strategies or, or anything that somebody in that category, whether they're a leader open, you know, um, just some, some things that they should maybe, uh, think about or concern themselves with for their training. When it comes to masters athletes over 40, um, I like to think of, first of all, you know, as we get older, I feel like sometimes we have to work a little harder to reach the level of fitness that comes easily to people who are younger. And so, um, really just taking care to, uh, take care of your overall conditioning and having a very regular fitness regimen that covers kind of all bases of overall conditioning. Um, I think that's important and just making that routine in your life, staying active. Um, 
And then the other facet is self-care. So uh, I think older athletes, masters athletes, can push their boundaries. I do it all the time. Um, my goal is to defy expectations in regards to my own age and actually confuse people in regards to like how old people think I am. <laughs> so, um, and a lot of people don't, I do get people who are surprised when they find out that I'm over 40. Um, and I, I love that. So, um, and not by any Hollywood magic, just, just fitness. So, um, but it can get, you know, our bodies can break down. And so I think self-care is important. Taking, taking time to rest, taking time to get massages. I get acupuncture regularly, especially when things start hurting. So, um, kind of, kind of learning that balance of when to push and when to pull back. Um, but always keeping that forward momentum going. So, so overall conditioning focus in as well as, you know, learning obstacles and technique and all that stuff, but make sure you're taking care of your overall fitness and conditioning and taking, taking that time to take care of your body. Um, that's, that's kind of my, my two pieces of advice for masters athletes. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So you mentioned that you, you do uh, a lot of boot camps outside and I'm, I'm assuming you don't have a hoist set up or rope or anything like that to, to practice on the beaches of Santa Monica. So what type of strategies do you have for those that maybe don't have that, that Spartan gym set up in their backyard? So I train, yeah, I train primarily in parks in Santa Monica and I, I run my boot camp power gym fit camp every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning in Santa Monica and do some Spartan stuff in addition to that. So, um, if you look around, there's generally things in the world that can translate to Spartan racing. So it's about finding those things, finding your surroundings. Uh, first of all, trails. So, um, I always tell people if you have nothing else to train on for Spartan race. Two things to focus on is running trails and doing burpees because anyone can complete a Spartan race if they can run a trail and do burpees, right? Even if you fail every single obstacle, if you can run a trail and do burpees, you can do Spartan race. Everything else is gravy. So, uh, finding those trails in your area and really practicing trail running because you can practice road running as much as you want, but it won't quite translate to those hill climbs that you see in Spartan races. So if you can get on those hills at home and, and approximate that on your own, that will help you. So that's number one. And number two, finding parks in your area that can have some items that you can play on that might work. Some parks have pull-up bars, for example. So you can work on your grip training. You can work on your upper body strength. Um, I spent a lot of time doing dead hangs to get ready for the December races and you can, there's a lot of things you can hang from in a lot of different parks. So finding a park in your area that has some sort of either pull-up bar or even on a playground, you can hang, there's usually something you can hang onto or do pull-ups on in a playground. So kind of having a creative eye when it comes to the, the world you live in. And the more I find the more Spartan races I do, the more I'm able to see the world that way. So there's a park in Santa Monica that has this sort of horizontal, slightly elevated horizontal beam. And I'm not even, I'm not sure what it's for, but I use it for Tyrolean Traverse. So, uh, I actually practiced on that and then was able to complete it for the first time in a race. So just because you don't have a horizontal rope doesn't mean you can't practice Tyrolean Traverse. Um, if you can find a bar like that, you can do that. 
Um, sometimes uh, I, I'm lucky that there's a park in Santa Monica that has a rope. So I am able to practice rope climbing. Um, but if you really want to get into rope climbing, you, there are often gyms, a lot of CrossFit gyms have ropes. So, uh, you can likely find a gym that will have a rope if you're really into that. But parks often have monkey bars on playgrounds. So you can definitely practice monkey bars, practice your grips, check grip technique, hand-to-hand transitions, things like that. So just taking a look at your neighborhood and having sort of a critical Spartan eye as you look at the world around you, you can find things that you can use to train for obstacles. There are walls that you can climb over or pull yourself over, and there are things you can hang off of. And so you kind of treat the world like your Spartan playground. That's awesome. I I like that Spartan eye. And yeah, if you don't have uh, the obstacle at your disposal, you just go out, look at your environment, and I'm sure you can find something that you yeah. can train on. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for jumping on here. If, if uh, any of our listeners want to reach out to you or just learn more about you, where might they go to, to find out more info? They can go, I have two websites. There's robinleggett.com, R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T. Got to be able to spell my own name, right? <laughs> R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T dot com. That has all of my Spartan blogs um, and information about training with me. Um, you can go to powerjamfitness.com. That's my business website. You can learn about uh, my Power Jam Fit Camp boot camp there. And you can email me, uh, robin at robinleggett.com. So robin at R-O-B-I-N-L-E-G-A-T dot com. You can email me directly or find me or Power Jam Fitness on Facebook and Instagram at Power Jam Fitness on Instagram. Awesome. I post... Oh, I post I, I post a lot of my Spartan training stuff on my Instagram. So if you go to at Power Gem Fitness, you'll see a lot of my uh, Spartan training stuff there. All right. Awesome. I'll, I'll put links to in our show notes for this episode so people can just head over there and then uh, find all the links that you just mentioned on there. Um, but thank you so much for jumping on. And um, hopefully we see you out there soon on one of these races. Oh, you're going to. I have I have plans. I have plans for races this year. So I would love to see you and I would love to see everybody at a race this year. All right, guys, that's it. That was episode 24 of the Underground SGX show. Wanted to give a thanks to Coach Robin Leggett from Power Jam Fitness. I hope you guys got some awesome tips and strategies that you can put into place for your next race. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spartanunderground.com slash episode 24 for any links that we talked about in today's show. And if you haven't gotten a chance to, please go on iTunes and give us a five-star review if you've found that we've given you anything useful or helpful in your Spartan race training. And until next time, you guys keep training hard. Aru.